Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. As always, the music for the show is provided by Misha Zarens, so thank you, Misha. I also want to mention the Ozarks Food Harvest, which is a food bank here in southwest Missouri. To be clear, I have no official relationship with Ozarks Food Harvest, but they are doing very important and meaningful work to help feed hungry people across many locations in my local area. I encourage you to find a way to contribute to your local food bank, as it is a cause that has an immediate impact on people in your area. I also invite you to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, as well as follow me on social media. All of the links are available in the show notes. This week, we are joined by author of the number one Amazon-ranked international best-selling book, Life Launch, Surviving the Storms of Physical and Sexual Abuse, Book One, by Dr. Liz Bataille. By trying and using just about every single self-help and medical therapy out there, Dr. Liz has survived and thrived through many extraordinary circumstances to become a successful medical professional, college professor, mom, and now author. Throughout our conversation, she shares her struggles, her victories, and her constant mission to find a better life for herself and others. I was very excited to have Dr. Liz join the show, and I think you will enjoy our conversation. Without further ado, let's get on to the conversation with Dr. Liz. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Dr. Liz Bataille. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very honored to be on your show. Oh, well, thank you. I'm sure the honor is mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, Dr. Liz, um, recently, uh, and I, I apologize, I don't actually know the date off the top of my head now that I bring this up, but you just recently launched um, a book. Um, and that book is called Life Launch, Surviving the Storms of Physical and Sexual Abuse, book one. Um, how recently did this book come out? Actually, it came out about a year ago. Okay. And what I've been doing since then is trying to increase my sales and then trying to spread my message, you know? And so that's where I'm at right now is trying to get on to people's podcasts so that I can share my story and, you know, spread my message of hope that is sort of coming out of the book. And I haven't really gotten to book two yet, like publishing, but I'm, I'm about halfway through it. So we're really what I'm launching is, is sort of like a podcast slash speaking, you know, platform. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, I think that, um, you know, like, like you and I were discussing a little bit before, um, you know, we, we encountered each other through pot it, which I do want to give a shout out to them, um, yeah. for, for connecting guests and, and podcasters. But, um, but yeah, I, I was just, I, I, I was very interested in, in, in having you come on the show because, um, of exactly what you were just saying that I think that, um, again, just simply based off the title of the book alone with, without even knowing the details, clearly you've survived some, some pretty harrowing things, um, and, and are now, in a position where you're helping other people and trying to outreach to other people who maybe you're going through similar sorts of things. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm humbled to be able to help you spread that because uh, I love um, the idea of, of, of helping people out of really bad situations like that. Um, so I, I guess, you know, and I, I obviously, like I'd also said before to you as well, I mean, obviously we want people to read the book. Um, so I don't mean for you to, to divulge all of the contents or the entire story, but do, do you maybe want to, and, and as much as you're comfortable going through as well, but do you maybe want to walk through kind of what 
what your experiences were like that, that then led you um, to to this place where you're now writing a book about those experiences. Sure, yeah. Um, one of the things that I was having trouble with when I was writing it was um, the title, because I my my original idea was, and it, and it kind of started when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I had been sharing with a friend of mine who was in my class about what had happened to me in my life just up to that age. Mm-hmm. And he said, you should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, like, like a lot of those things don't happen to kids our age up to this point. And, you know, yeah. I did take it in the back of my mind and um, I did, I had already written, I think a lot of poetry and I, I really did write a lot of poetry um, throughout my teens and my young adulthood. And I'm actually going to be coming out with that poetry book here in the, in the next month or so. It's, it's already down. I just need to get like a good cover for it and stuff. But, um, but so writing has been, you know, healing for me from the very beginning because I wrote all throughout that. And um, unfortunately, a lot of my poems are heartbreak poems and, you know, sad things because I was so confused through my teens. Wow. But I, I did over all these years, I don't mind, you know, sharing my age. I'm 57 now. And over all these years, I have written a little bit here and there and I've played around with different titles. And so I really going into last year when I when I um I just, uh, frankly, actually, I was a little bit um, needing a little bit of work. I had a lot of time on my hands, and um, uh, so I needed also a little bit of money, and I thought, you know what? Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is time to write the book. So I hooked up with self-publishing school, and, you know, um, they had this, you know, 30-day program, get the rough draft written, and when I started writing, um, and this is also, I feel, for any of your listeners that you know, may want to, you know, do something like this. I think this is also helpful for those uh, folks that I just started writing and my fingers couldn't keep up. It was really unbelievable. I'm sure that my my fam- family was wondering what was wrong with me because I was up all night long, you know, and, and only getting a couple of hours sleep. And then I'd get up and I'd really need to write again. Mm. And um, uh, I, it was a very frenetic, it was a very frenetic time. So Anyway, uh, got it written and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize this was going to happen. But what I found when I finished writing was that I didn't have any resentments anymore. And so based upon the title of the book, Physical and Sexual Abuse, you obviously can tell that I have, you know, I am a survivor of uh, a lot of different types of sexual abuse. I was just literally making a list because I felt like I needed to make a list because I I can't just go through the book every time and try to remember. And there's literally 36 things that have happened to me and traumatic experiences, just me. And then I have like 12 related to my family and and including my family history um, on this whole topic. So um, I had a lot of resentments that I didn't realize that I had. And and the ones that I did realize that I had in these last probably 10 years back to 30 years back, um, because the most recent resentments were really after my husband um, killed himself and his parents accused me of murdering him because they could not accept that he took his life. And that was in 2005. 
and that that is kind of like the end of the story with my experiences and struggles and trauma surrounding suicide which is which is part of my book as well but but i the ones that i did have resentments about i was okay and i'm sure you've probably heard with all the different people you've been talking to about healing and happiness and how to improve your life one of the things that you hear so much about and course in religion and every everywhere else you know you got to forgive people and you don't hold on to resentments you know and it's very poisoning to your spirit and i used to say i'm cool <laughs> i'm good with those resentments you know um because i really felt like there are some things that you can't that are unforgivable mm -hmm. um and so I really didn't go into writing the book to have any intention of uh, relieving myself of resentments. Um, I was okay with those that I was still harboring. But what I found, and this is for me, I, I do have a higher power and I do call my higher power God. And I'm not trying to get into any religion or anything. But for me, it was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself and what I needed to do for myself, but I didn't believe that I needed to. And so I've really walked away from that draft book writing experience with a feeling of relief, like a weight had been lifted off of me. So, um, you know, that is one of the things that I, that I do share about, um, and we'll get probably further into it as we go into the interview, which is, you know, some of my different healing strategies. And, and one of them is just getting your story out, whether it's in paper pen, or whether it's through a podcast or a book or talking to people. So, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, um, that, that's all, incredibly powerful. And, and, and I, I, I mean, there's so many things that you shared there that I, I love. Um, I, I love, you know, I'll just start. First of all, I love that you, that you did share that your your age, um, because I think that, that it is a common thing for people to think that, you know, it's too late to start something. Right. Um, yeah. or that, that you're, you're, you're past a point where you could learn some new skill or you could, I mean, writing a book is not a, a light task as you <laughs> know, right. <laughs> self-publishing it too yeah there you go <laughs> um yeah i mean there i mean and, and really in all our, our honesty i mean it, it is a big task but but you you know through your story you're showing that um that it isn't too late to start something ever um i i just had an, another gentleman on my podcast here recently um who is actually out of mumbai india and he uh he became a, a long distance runner like a marathon runner but he's uh, uh, maybe a couple years younger, but I, he didn't start it until he was like 49. Right. So, wow. and Holy. you know, right. But I mean, but you're in the same category, right? Like, I mean, one's I athletic and, and one's academic, but true, they're, true. they're both really big undertakings that most people, frankly, myself included, I'm not trying to run a marathon and I have no aspirations currently of writing a book. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think they're tasks that, you know, a lot of people, um, look at as really daunting tasks. Um, and, and if they don't, then they're probably being a little naive about, <laughs> what yeah. goes um, but, but then the other thing that you talked about though, that I think is so important is, is how, um, it also served as, as kind of a, its own form of therapy, um, for you, for you in, in overcoming some of these things or, or, you know, I'm using that language, like you said, specifically, being able to, to free yourself of some of these resentments. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's kind of a cliche to, you know, the, the forgiveness is not really for the other person. It's for yourself. I mean, that's said something that's said a lot, but it, it's not, I mean, it, it is forgiveness, but it's not just forgiveness. It's, it, you know, it, not that there's not a place for anger or frustration or, or, or those, those range of emotions there is. Um, but ultimately if, if, if you carry around an anger about something justified or not, you're the one that feels angry, right? Not, the other person right so even though you're you're almost trying to 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 punish that other person by holding on to that it, it's really yourself that you find is the one that, that's still being punished right for it true and i and i think that's really where the most powerful uh that's that was the most powerful aspect of the result for me anger has been um one of one of the very um um, de destructive feelings that I have had throughout my life that I've actually done a lot of therapy on and um, and I've I, I, I'm also in the medical profession I wanted to say that I, well I am a doctor but there's lots of different kinds of doctors and I am in um, laboratory medicine and my master's is in immunology which a lot of people know what immunology is now with COVID-19 right and um and I've worked in the field for all these years and um you know still do and so I did research as I've been healing part another one of my healing strategies is just education you know I'm a big reader anyway for entertainment but also with regards to my work and and education in general so I found out and it may have actually been through treatment as well, because I did I did get a little bit of inpatient treatment, and I may discuss that a little bit too. But um, I I found out that if anybody doesn't know this, if you're not aware of this, this is very important information, which is that negative thoughts and feelings, and and if you did did some research and looked at what are considered negative thoughts and feelings it's anything that's not on the spectrum of love mm. so there's love and all the thoughts and feelings that surround that and then there's the other column <laughs> wow yeah and everything on the other column is are considered negative thoughts and feelings and they actually carry with them negative energy and that negative energy is part of what some of our what we what we what we take antioxidants for. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the world today know about antioxidants now, mm -hmm. and how those are good for your health. What you're doing when you're taking antioxidants is you're counteracting literally like ions in your body that are generated because of stress and negative thoughts and feelings. I mean, that's basically what it is. So if if I harbor, you know, anger for like a long period of time, my body is actually deteriorating from that. Mm -hmm. So um, so what I did, I don't when you were talking about forgiveness and I'm sure I mentioned it first. I'm not sure that I actually forgave everybody mm -hmm. through this writing process. But what I did, what 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 happened to me was, is that my resentments disappeared. So uh, the forgiveness piece is maybe a little bit harder. And I think you were you were sort of going there a little bit. Um, forgiveness doesn't mean that you 
a proof. I did learn that recently as I've been, I still work with a sponsor in the 12 step program. I'm both a member of AA and NA. And, um, you know, and, and she, I talked to her about this a lot for, for years, really. And I, and I did talk to her recently and I said about forgiveness and, you know, how do I actually do that? Um, and, she, and I said, and I, I think I told her because I feel like I'm, I'm giving these people, these perpetrators, you know, I'm letting them off the hook. And she said, you know, forgiveness does not mean that you have to allow these people back in your life. Forgiveness does not mean that you agree or approve of anything that was done um, or, or that you're condoning anything. It, it just is a release of the feelings, I guess, of what happened and um, not holding on to it and clinging on to it, I guess. And so I, again, I get, again, I'm not sure that I have actually forgiven, but I can tell you that the resentments are gone. And for me, that's huge. talked about different therapies did you seek out like 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 talk therapy like a psychologist or, yeah. or that, that kind of therapy yeah yeah so um i did i did want to um go into that as as well um can i can i talk a little bit about some of my negative experiences and then i can kind of match them to what i was doing at the time please do yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. want to push you into anything too specific or you know any, I, I, yeah. I, I want you to tell the story as, as you're comfortable with but yes please um yeah That'll be great. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, back when I was, you know, very young, anywhere from, you know, five to 12, I was, I was raised in a really big family in the sixties and the seventies. So there were a lot of drugs around and my, I had, uh, four older siblings and two younger ones. And, um, my mom was a rageaholic and my, she was very hypercritical and my father was, um, I, a perfectionist. And um, my father is, is a very brilliant man. Uh, he had like 12 patents. He was an engineer and worked for the federal government on radar and sonar and stuff. And um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for many years. And um, they brought to their relationship and therefore to us what their baggage from their parents. And I, I learned later on that my mother was molested by her father and I also learned, when I say later on, I'm talking about 16, 17. Hmm. Um, my father actually is the one that told me that because I had such a horrible relationship with my mother. Out of all my sisters, I have five sisters. There's six girls and the one boy. My dad actually told me, at, I may have been, you know, 30. And he, and he was trying to help me understand my mom. And he said, I just, you know, I just going to tell you this, you know, she was, she was touched by her, her father. 
But I had learned earlier that he had done something to one of my aunts and he had done some things to some of my cousins and another couple of sisters. And when I looked at myself, I realized that there was uh, one of these little black holes in my life. And it, when I was really young, like five or six, and then, and I have these images and I talk about it in my book. Um, and then all I know, all I know is, is that I hated my grandfather after that. And so I believe that something happened to me with him. Why wouldn't it have since he had done all these other things? And, and what he did do when I was older and had breasts, he did used to always try to feel, feel me up when I would go give him a hug. And that's what he did to some of my other sisters. You know, you go give your grandpa a hug and, but his hands go up your sides. <sighs> and so, yeah, it, it, it's creepy and horrible, but, um, so that was kind of like, you know, they talk about like repeating the cycle of abuse and all this stuff. And, and it's a, it's a family disease, just like alcoholism is a family disease. And so because my mother grew up in that environment, she also grew up with older uncles um, that also touched her. And, um, I, and I think it was just that generation. She was born in 36. So she, this was happening in the 40s. And she called it, she, the way she dealt with it is what she did with me and my sisters. Whenever we told her, hey, the dentist was trying to feel us up, stick his tongue in our mouth. The minister, I, I was molested by all these people. Um, minister tried to stick his tongue in my mouth all when I was in my teens. And, and when I pulled back with a minister and looked at him and, and, and said, what are you doing or something? I said, you're weird. And he said, no, you're weird. <laughs> because I wouldn't let him. Wow. And, and this was in another room when my parents were visiting with his wife and the, and the rest of the family was in another room and we were in the kitchen getting something to drink. And this is like, you know, it's, a, it's like the story of my life. And that's another reason why I wanted to put it down because once I realized how rampant, how much molestation there were, there were teachers, other people, that I've experienced, um, but my mother never protected me. And that was the thing, she didn't protect me or my sisters. Her answer was, when I did tell her about some of the things, I didn't tell her about everything, because what was the point after a while? Uh -huh. um, she said, he's just a dirty old man. And and um, and so what I did was, I, I, I wanna talk to you about some of these healing things that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of the non, non healing things that I did. So I grew up into this environment where there was all of that going on. And then my parents fought physically with each other. They phys had physical altercations mm -hmm. where they, they would lay hands on each other. My father didn't really ever hit my mom, but he always ended up in physical contact with her to stop her hands from going at him. And sometimes he would there were a couple of times where he did have his fist raised over her head and had her pinned on the ground. And those times I went screaming out of the house, you know, daddy's going to kill mommy and stuff. So there was all of that. And then there was the drugs and the alcohol because all the adults, except for my mother, my mother didn't really drink and she did, my mom and dad, neither one of them used drugs. It was too early. They, they were older than that. Um, we were the one generation that used substances. So my cousins drank, my aunts and uncles all drank, and my cousins used drugs, you know, outside when the parents wouldn't see at all these family holidays. And so, 
you can imagine this whole mix and mat. I'm calling it the meat of the mess. I just came up with that two days ago. You know, it, it really was just a legitimate mess. Mm-hmm. And every time my the adults around my, me at, in these family holidays would start drinking, they would always start fighting. Everybody would fight with everybody else. And so there's there's all that going on. So what I did was I started drinking and using drugs. So that was the negative, um, you know, um, survivor survival tool. I actually tried to, I tried to get away by getting my mind away. And so that is what I've had to deal with the after effects of that my whole life. Cause I became an addict, but the good things that I did do, and this is really where I want to everybody to make sure that they're listening now is I was involved with music and this was a saving grace. I call them saving graces in my book. Um, These are some of the good things that my parents did for us. Um, There was always music on both sides of the family and uh, we had a piano and I, I started taking piano lessons when I was young and I sang as well. I was always in the choir in school and, and, you know, at the religious institution. Um, I was also in band and orchestra, you know, I, I excelled in sports. Um, I was a competitive swimmer and I almost went to States. I had some really, you know, good experiences with all that stuff and swam all summer long in the pool all day, every day. Um, and you know, some of it was fun. Some of it was competitive. And then the education, I, I actually, I didn't get a lot of praise um, or um, affirmations in my home because everybody was so busy doing all their (laughs) negative stuff with each other. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually sought that out in school. And um, I I did very well there because I knew that was like a immediate reaction I could get if I if I did good on a paper or I studied for a test, I could get an immediate A, good girl, get the pat on the back. Mm -hmm. So I used, you know, my negative experience and I won't say, I'm saying me, 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 but I I feel like it was a higher power doing for me what I couldn't do for myself that I I was able to uh, turn that into some success in school. And that's where I ended up with my degrees because that was always something that it was a guarantee for me. And the other thing I liked about the education um, is, is that once I got older and I, I got my bachelor's degree and I was thinking about going for my master's and so on, I, I realized by then how much had been taken away from me by uh, people, you know, um, either my childhood or, you know, my positivity or my smile, you know, whatever that some so many times things that people can do to you they can take things away from you mm-hmm. and um i don't know why i'm choking up on this one but what i realized is is that nobody can take my education away from me mm-hmm. and that is one thing that i will always have that nobody can touch yep. and um so that's when I said, you know, I'm definitely going for it because uh, there's not that much in life that that people can't take from you. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that was important to me. So those were I think I got it mostly prayer. I did have uh, I did have a relationship with with a higher power. And that was, again, through my parents. So I prayed a lot. 
and um and it was athletics and it was reading and writing as well as school and um let's see if i have i have a few a few other things listed i think <laughs> but yeah um uh, poetry so i wrote a lot of poems i did mention that and music and and the friends now the uh, the sports nature i also did a lot with nature um i did go out and stargaze and i do think there's positive energy out there in the sky when you're out there looking at the moon and the stars and the planets and i still do that and i get some really amazing spiritual benefit from just like checking out mars you know for like 30 minutes <laughs> or you know all the other planets and stuff um and um and so reaching out to friends and talking you know back to that again the only downside of that that I experienced was is that some of my friends were also into the substances and then you end up getting into this negative spiral with that. So I would say, you know, trusted friends that have your you know best interest and, um, you know, maybe that you could. One of the th expressions that I learned when I was in just finding out that I was an addict, I went to a, an evaluation place to be evaluated. And I learned something in one of these first classes that I attended and they said, we are both, we are all just angels with one wing and we have to hold on to each other to be able to fly. Mm. So, you know, if you imagine that this wing on my left side and then I'm holding on to somebody with my right arm and they're holding on to me with their left arm and then their right wing. And so when I heard that, I thought that's really beautiful, you know, um, that, you know, we can't do this life by ourselves, but together we can. And, and so, you know, that's another reason why I'm here on your show is I just, I just hope that somehow any part of my story can help anybody going through any of this, either as a teen, young adult, all the way up through, you know, retired. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I think that that's, um, I, I think that's a very beautiful image that, that you describe and it, you know, I think we all ask the question at some point in our lives, if not constantly, you know, what's the the meaning of life or um, what's the what's the most important thing? And, and I think that that, you know, certainly is up to the individual to define for themselves. Um, so I don't I don't mean that I've <laughs> come up with the answer, but it, it, for myself, at least up to this point in my life, that's that's kind of where I landed was that it, it's relationships, you know, yeah. it, it's the relationships that I have and, you know, the hobbies that I that I have I and mean, my two favorite hobbies are, are podcasting and <laughs> playing video games. Um, but mm -hmm. the reason I like doing both of those is because they they put me in contact with with people where I get to, to experience different relationships. Right. And the podcast, it's typically more people that I don't know, like like yourself, where I'm you know having someone on and interviewing them. But then when I'm playing games, it's it's a, a an easy way for me and my friends to cooperate together or maybe compete against each other or whatever the case may be. But it's an avenue for social engagement. So I think that's a really important, important thing as well.
Well, you touched on you touched on several things there, and and one thing that you touched on that that I've found has resonated with me a lot in my life is is the power of music, and it you know certainly as you outlined such a variety of things, there's not one thing Correct. that just solves all of it, right? Um, there's not a one size fits all solution to to life's woes, but man, music is it, it's incredible how powerful it 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 really can be. I myself, though, I'm not a musician at all. Like I can't, I can't carry a tune. I can't play an instrument, uh, but I just love listening to music. I mean, there, there was a period for a few years there where even when I was at work and you know, I worked in a corporate office, I had headphones in literally the entire day. And if I went to a meeting, I would just take one headphone out <laughs> so I could hear, but still had this like soundtrack going on, you know? So do you mind maybe elaborating a bit on, on what your relationship with music was like or, or. Sure. Or... Oh yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, because it was so important to me. And as you said, it's not necessarily that you have to be playing an instrument or be able to even sing. Well, um, I also enjoyed listening and part of that connection with other people is I was really into lyrics. And of course that makes sense because of my writing and my mm -hmm. poetry. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, um, I would hear my story in lyrics and it would help, it helped me realize, and this is where I, I want to kind of get to with, um, with the, the hopelessness and, you know, the despair when, when a person can realize that you're not the only one. And mm -hmm. sometimes when we're, you know, whatever age, but it seems to go more when we're younger, when we're really emotional and we have all those hormones going, when we may feel like, and I, I did for a, at least 10 years of my life, I really wanted to kill myself. And um, I, I didn't see another way out many times and um, had plans to carry what what my plan was at different times to carry things out and um in it it there were people i always reached out and and i'm glad for that i i always reached out and somebody reached back um but before getting to those stages i would be you know in that emotional state and i would listen to something and i would I would say, wow, okay, you know, I'm not the only one. So there's definitely can be some healing there. Um, and, and there needs to be, you know, so that we can, we can stop getting to that place. Um, so for me, it was that enjoyment. And then when I made a decision what I was going to do in college, I actually started college with in music. And oh. I, I did get all the way until the last three credits and I was actually even in the course, but I was driving from one state to another, essentially to go to the professor's house on a summer session. And I didn't have the self-esteem, unfortunately. Um, I really felt like I wasn't as good as all these students and they were all going to Juilliard or teaching at Juilliard or as well as the community college that I was at. And, um, I was a piano major and a voice minor. And, um, I just, I was also interested in medicine and I just decided at the last minute, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go into to science and go into medicine. And when I quit school, my primary, um, you know, piano 
advisor, she said, oh, why did you do that? And I told her I didn't get any support at home. That was another thing my mother kept telling me, why are you wasting your brain? And she kept calling me off the piano and I just didn't have the support and I didn't have the positive feedback. And, um, and I said, besides that, I wasn't good enough. I didn't think. And she said, this other professor, I don't mind saying his name. He may not even be alive anymore. Dr. Bellardo, he was the guy that was teaching at, at, um, Juilliard and he was writing symphonies at Juilliard and, wow. and he, yeah. And he was on my committee when I did my performances for my, you know, grade at the end of every section or whatever. And he, she said, Dr. Bellardo said you had piano fingers and that is like the highest compliment for a pianist. Mm. And I was devastated, but I felt like I locked, I had locked myself into a decision. And that's another thing too. I just want to, touch yeah. on real quick yeah no please i did that so many times in my life where i locked myself into a decision and i didn't give myself permission to change my mind yep. and after years and years and years of healing i now can do that to my for myself and i want to make sure that if anybody's out there listening and if you ever identify that you've maybe done that before you know, we need to learn that we can give ourselves permission to change our mind and it's okay. You know, it's not a failure. You know, this, this is, this life is a learning experience. And, um, so, you know, um, just recognize that you don't have to follow through on an idea just because it was an idea, you know? Right. So anyway, music has always been, I'm, I am still glad that I did, you know, go into science and everything. And I just decided that I would always keep music as an avocation instead of a vocation. And I was also kind of took a, a lesson from Charles Ives life, which I learned about because of music program. And he was an insurance salesman and he used to write his music and symphonies on the train while he was going from one city to another to sell insurance. Oh, wow. And he, um, he was, he was concerned about hating music if he made it his life. Mm. Uh, he was concerned about getting a resentment about music if he couldn't make a living at music. And um, so I just decided, well, you know, at least this way, I won't hate music ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I, I, I learned later on that many doctors are frustrated musicians and many musicians are frustrated doctors. So I fit right in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, some people think it's strange in, in my show because I, you know, I, I don't have ads or anything, um, which is, is not a necessarily an ethical decision as much as I, I don't know that anyone's interested in paying me currently to run ads for them. But um, but I, I break the show up with music. Right. right. And, and that's why, because I love music so much that I, I, I want to insert that. And the guy who makes the music for my show, Misha Zarin's a, a dear friend of mine, and I actually just had him on the show a few weeks ago. But um, he he's a he's a, he's an electrical engineer. I think is I always call him a rocket scientist because um, he works for a big defense contractor like that, you know. But uh, but he says he is not actually a rocket scientist. The, the rocket scientist would be insulted. But either way. Um, he's got this incredibly technical, you know, I mean, he didn't just take calculus. He took all, all the calculus and then took differential equations after it, right? Like stuff that, mm -hmm. no, 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 thank you. Um, but he, again, I mean, he's a lifelong musician. I mean, he's made, 
don't know, 10 albums or something probably over the course of his life so far. And, um, and, and he had a similar sentiment to, to what you described with Charles Ives though, which is that he, he never, he didn't want to depend on music for money because he didn't want it to turn into something that he just didn't love in this kind of pure way. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, I thought that that made a lot of sense and it's interesting to hear that, you know, maybe not such an uncommon sentiment after all, <laughs> it turns yeah. out. Yeah. And I want to make a couple of other connections too, since you brought up music. Um, you mentioned that there's not one thing that can really, you know, help, help us with all these different problems and, and, and that with our life. But I am going to propose one thing. Please. <laughs> and, and that is my one thing um that i'm you know that's part of my platform and it it's hope mm. and uh, i wanted i wanted to sort of tie it back to everything that we've been talking about uh, starting with music because for me music it's one of the most important things that music can give us which is a ray of hope yeah. um and, and for me with the singing as well even if you can't sing um singing really loud sometimes and with a lot of emotion something that you love it can lift your spirits mm -hmm. and it can give you hope mm -hmm. um it can also express some of that negative energy and toxins that are in our bodies if we're singing songs that make us cry or we're listening if we're not even singing we're listening but back to that vocal and talking about healing strategies and talking about uh, and this is where i'm tying it all the way back to when you asked me about therapy mm. so i did go to professionals and i went starting when i was 15 when i first indicated to my mother that i would thought about ending my life not directly but i said i'm not going to be here anymore you don't need to worry about it and she said what do you mean and i said just what i said i'm not going to be here anymore you know and she heard that and that's again to her credit another saving grace um, even though she was the source of much of my problems in life, right. she actually helped save my life by sending me to that counselor at that age. Mm. Um, but uh, music, music gives us hope and the, the voice gives us hope. And through talk therapy, we, we get hope through talking to others, whether it's a counselor or again, like a trusted friend. Um, and, um, I was going to go into music therapy. So that's another part of that with me when I was in music school and about to graduate, that was my plan to go into music therapy. So it, it has, it all really kind of has woven its way through my whole life. And, um, the other type of therapy that I had on regarding music and voice and expressing negative energy is, um, at about, um, I think it was nine, it was, I think I was about 29. I went to an inpatient treatment program. I had had, I had four years clean and sober by then. I, I came in the program at 25. And, um, and by the way, uh, the moment that I entered the rooms of AA, uh, that was the end of a 10 year period from 15 to 25 that I mentioned earlier that I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to kill myself anymore once I stopped the drugs and the alcohol. So if anybody's out there that is thinking about or deals with periodically the suicidal ideation, if you are using or abusing drugs or alcohol, that's the first 
word I would say is, is get rid of that because you, you can't even start healing anything until you get rid of that. Cause you got to be able to find out who you are and what happened and your story and all that stuff in order to start healing from it. So, but at that inpatient treatment program I went to, because after four years clean, I was starting to come out of the fog and I was starting to realize some things. And I actually felt like sicker than I was before almost. And I, I, I didn't know how I, I, the program wasn't working for me at that time. I, I needed a boost. I called it, I needed a kick, a kick in my program. I needed a giant leap in my program. So I was, I was also seeing a private counselor, private psychologist. And uh, she told me, and I was surprised because I didn't think I was angry, you know, because the book, the AA big book told me in there, we can't afford to be angry, me, meaning us alcoholics in recovery. Why can't we? Because if we get angry, we're going to want to use again right. to deal with those feelings. And she said, I think you have a lot of anger buried inside of you. And she said, and I think we need to find a safe place for you to express that anger. So that's another thing that I want to say to anybody that may be touching, uh, feeling, feeling some kind of connections to what we're talking about right now, and maybe starting to feel some connection with maybe some anger. Um, it, it really has to be done in a safe place. It's not safe to just start getting in touch with your anger if you don't have maybe a professional around. So, you know, just just be careful with that i would say so she recommended she said she was going to look but actually knew about the place because there was one um in my home state and um it, it's called the Catherine karen foundation c-a-r-o-n and they have uh, a program called the the family program which is for adult children of dysfunctional families mm -hmm. and it, it could be the dysfunction can be anything it can be addiction you know, so even though I was an addict, I wasn't going there for my addiction. I was clean. You have to have 30 days minimum uh, free of drugs and alcohol. First of all, they won't take you. And uh, it's a five day program where you're completely no contact with the outside world. And you couldn't take any meds at all. You had to turn in all your meds um, and no, no over the counter anything. And um, it was literally a year's worth of therapy in one week. Wow. We got up at 7.30 in the morning. You weren't allowed to be alone either. You couldn't be alone the whole time. You had to go everywhere with a buddy, at least one, but they prefer two other people so you didn't get into this one-on-one -on -one with, with, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. the boys and the girls. Um, and so um, they, you get up at 7 a.m., you start doing your morning meditation, then you do individual counseling, you do group counseling, you do this work. And when you're, when you're doing this work, this is where I got into all these other types of therapies. And one of them was called like a primal scream therapy. And I'm sure somebody may have heard of that where you're just in your car or you're going, ah! you know, like in your right. car, this is a way of getting the negative energy out. And so they would tell you to pick a point on the wall and just let that be whatever your object of, you know, whatever you're angry at, whatever you're trying to work through, and then just scream at it. And you can say uh, anything you want. You can curse up a storm and all that. And um, that didn't really work that well for me, which is surprising. But I did. I love to scream in the car or sing really loudly in the car. Um, but what did work for me, which was weird, was um, twisting the towel. Mm. They gave me a towel. Some people did the bataka bat where you where you're just 
hitting a pillow with a bat or your hands and that contact is what's supposed to be like boom express the negative energy so this was a very healing amazing place and what i did was i wrung a towel for literally like 48 hours straight i was wringing this towel and um crying the whole time and this was after four years of coming in the program but i can tell you from the moment i came into aa or na I was crying at every meeting I went to. And all of this crying was really for for me. I was crying for me. I was crying for all of the pain that I suffered for all those years. And um, I was still doing it and needing it. But another thing that we talk about anger, and then then I'm going to be quiet for a moment. (laughs) But anger is very tied into fear at least for me. And I did have a counselor talk to me about that because I was sitting in a counselor's office, by the way, he wrote a book and that is out there called telling the truth, um, radical honesty or telling the truth. He had two different titles and it's a, it's a form of therapy and it's called telling the truth therapy. And, um, and that, that's also lies, you know, are also negative and hold negative energy inside your body too. But, I was sitting in his office and literally because of all my problems with, with being molested by men that have a superior position over me, I'm in therapy in this office. And this guy is talking about something that he does over there, you know, in another state on a farm. And it's part of some couple's therapy that he does. And he's talking to me about that. And he was like, maybe just, you know, wondering if it was something I'd be interested in with my husband at the time. And I, I was actually sitting there getting very, very worried that I was going to be molested. I just, I just, and these are like, you know, just uncovering things would happen to me like this. And I'd be like, and I started crying Mm. and he says, why, why are you crying? And I said, I don't know. And then we talked and talked and then he realized that I was feeling fear and 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 so at that point i discovered that i cry when i feel fear and that that's a little bit unusual but i also cry when i feel anger so my tears could never and i also cry when i felt joy so i could never really distinguish just because i was crying it didn't necessarily mean i was happy didn't necessarily mean i was sad oh there's four things (laughs) i could have been fearful i could have been angry so that was another really wild thing that I found out that the connection between all these types of emotions and, you know, how destructive some of them can be and how they can come out sideways and all that. But yeah, um, definitely professional therapy has been helpful and it's been part of it. Part of my yeah. journey. Yeah. Well, and I thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. Uh, and please never think that you're going on too, too long <laughs> that here is to share your story and your, your insights. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, I, you know, I've had um, a, a few uh, coaches on the podcast and, and I've had some not sports coaches, but life coaches and relationship coaches and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I've had at least one psychologist and um, another one I think I've recorded with, but I haven't published it yet, but, but either way, um, you know, it's interesting because there's a segment of the population, like I think yourself and myself, where we very much believe almost sounds like a strange word to use, but believe in the value of therapy, right? And believe in the value of counseling and and understand 
maybe you know to some extent from your own firsthand experience with it the value that it can offer um but there's but but despite that there is still a large segment of the population who thinks that you know if you're going to see a therapist it means that you're and i'm using air quotes that no one can see except you and i but but crazy right or that um that you're 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 that something is wrong with you that you are 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 not part of the the group anymore and and it just it's just not true um it, it it's not true at all Ther- therapy is so valuable um and i i love that you share that story because and I, i'm going to say this and and i really do encourage you to please correct me if i if i misspeak at all because i am fortunate enough um that i don't have the, the same experiences that you've shared right like that's that's not part of of my life story but but i know a lot of people who that is part of their life story and there's 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 a shame that a lot of people feel along with that that type of abuse right and there's a a they feel like they can't tell anyone because something's wrong with them and 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 it's just not the case and i think that it's really important for people to to know and hear from someone like yourself who has gone through these things that talking about these things and and putting being vulnerable right and being honest but in in healthy safe spaces um is is really really powerful and really really important um something else that that i i wanted to say though that i thought was that's that's so such a confusing part of life is you know you've talked about obviously your your family situation and the, and the history of your family and and that's the source of so much of the pain right i mean maybe almost all of it to some extent or, or at least the vast majority of it but but at that same time i mean i think you've said it two or three times now there's been examples where even though that's the source of pain within that there is also some source of of goodness right like that's where the music comes from right and that's where um, that, that's where the therapy initiated from. Right. And it's just, and I don't, I don't even know if this isn't a question really. So (laughs) you can just say, yeah, if you want. Um, that's true, but it's just crazy that, yeah, how there's, how both things can be true, right? Like it can be the source of a nightmare and simultaneously the source of something positive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's true, not only in that example, but in so many areas of life and it's, Frankly, it's just kind of confusing. Yeah. <laughs> right? It works that way. Yeah, and I, I think I do feel blessed because I do believe that there, there are others out there that maybe didn't have as many of those, what I call those saving graces. Mm. And um, so even though I did have all those experiences um, negative as well, um, I do feel blessed. And uh, so, you know, I have been um, just on my journey, trying to, to heal from the negative experiences and, and look, being able to find, um, those, you know, sort of little diamonds in the rough at, from my story and also be able to celebrate those and elevate those. And that's another reason why I, it brings me to, I, I did want to make sure that I say this, my, my name, Dr. Liz Bataille is a pseudonym. I, I wrote the book under that name not because I was trying to hide um, or that I'm ashamed. It, it is because of two things. Number one, I do have a professional career in medicine and, and sometimes that, that's not viewed as 
you know, they, they may see any of this or they don't even know members of the 12-step fellowship because there's a stigma around all this stuff. Just as you said, there is a stigma. Yeah. It's, it's not made up. It's real. Yeah. And if anybody saw any of that stuff, they may not want me to run their operation, you know, because they may just think, oh, there's no way she could actually be healthy from all this stuff. Um, but number two, and maybe more importantly, is that I um, I didn't want to call out the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. And many of these people are still related to me and they're still in my family and in my life, unfortunately. Um, and, um, I, I'm still working on, on some of those decisions cause I, I did not realize that anything would con- continue or pop up with somebody that may be 70 years old and me being 50 years old that happened when I was 15 and they were whatever, you know, and I'm like, what? And I thought, wow, well, I guess I was the dumb one to, to think that, this would be something that this person would try at this age, you know? Um, and, and I was going around that person for, you know, for the benefit of my child. Um, and there wasn't a concern on that end of it, but I, I was like, really? So, you know, okay, whatever. So I'm, I'm, um, I, I still have, you know, some healing to do, I guess. And, um, but with regards to my mom, I, I will say that I, I, I finally had to make a decision because the the verbal abuse and uh, the still so many of the th- same things the um, the favoritism and and the you know sort of sort of being dis- dissed and and treated like uh, I'm not treated the same way as some of my other siblings, but the verbal abuse still there so prominent. Um, I, I finally had to make a decision about two and a half years ago that, um, it's, I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I, I made a decision when I was 30. Here we go is another good example of being able to change your mind. I think when I was 30 something, I made a decision to, to stay in my mom's life because I wanted, I wanted to have a relationship with her and I decided that I was going to change myself as much as I can so that I could still engage with her and not try to change her. Uh And, um, so I did that for a long time, but I finally came to a place and maybe it was because it was the first time really that my son who at the age at the, I think at that time he was 15, finally saw it with his own eyes and heard it with his own ears. And he was down there saying, grandma, why are you talking to mom that way? Why are you treating mom like that? Why are, and she just kept on saying her stuff. She kept on calling her names and yelling and screaming about whatever she thought about me. And, you know, it's all crazy nonsense, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just, uh, I just said, you know what? I don't need that anymore. I I've got my fill of that for, for 55 years. I think I've had my fill of that. And, you know, I I don't, I don't need to see her anymore. I don't need to, I don't need that. I've seen her plenty and I, you know, I, I automatically thought to myself, you know, well, what if she passes away? You know, well, she's going to pass away someday. How are you going to feel? And I realized I'm good. I'm good. You know, she's been in my life for 55 years. What, what more do I, what more, what more do I need right now? And it's definitely not worth putting up with that 
without abuse. No way. It's not worth it anymore to me. And I, I told my son that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go up there anymore. And I did go up there that time for him. I had asked him how he wanted to spend the holidays and he said he wanted to spend it with grandma. And I, after that trip, I said, I, I'm going to tell you right now that um, I'm not going to come up here anymore. And if you want to see grandma, uh, you know, I'll put you on a plane and you're welcome to go visit her and, you know, do whatever you want to. So I, since that point, I did have a, I did have to go there to pick up some furniture because they, my sisters moved her out of the house and into a place. And, um, I did decide to visit her cause she's now in a smaller place. So I, there's no way to go to the old house and there's no way to sleep over and all that. So I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff, but I did uh, feel like I wanted to at least just, just swing by and say hi and see how she was doing. I took her to lunch and it was a two hour visit and that was it. And that was fine. And I'm not interested in any more. And, um, you know, I, I may do that again if I ever have a reason to go up there, which I had a reason to go up there. I wasn't going up there for a visit. I, I don't have a, any reason as far as I know of to go up there anymore. But um, so for me, you know, it's it may be sad or whatever. I, I'm not really sure, but I'm OK with it. And, um, you know, I. I, I mean, I guess it is sad because I don't I don't think it's healthy for anybody or or it's good for anybody to be like that towards anybody else. But um, but I'm OK with it. So, you know, everything is not it doesn't always turn out to be, you know, exactly the way you want it to be. Um, but I, I accept that this is this is the best way for me to move forward in this situation. I wish it was otherwise, but you know, I don't have any, I don't have any control over her choices. So, yeah. you know, well, I think, you know, and, and, and this, this, this may come sound like I'm, I'm trying to, to be flattering or something. And I, I assure you, I'm not, that, that's not really <laughs> my character. Um, but the through line that you have through, through all of these different stories and, 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 you know, whether it be um, communicating to your family even at 15 that, you know, that, that you, you were having thoughts of suicide, even if you didn't use those words directly, but communicating that and then seeing the therapist and being open and vulnerable about that. And, and then reaching out to friends. And then that ended up leading you down another path, the path of addiction that you talked about, but then you find yourself going to AA, right? And then you find yourself in school. And then when you're in school, you get almost to the end of a degree and then you decide, I think I'm going to go a different way. And, and, you know, it's funny because it's not funny. Isn't the right word, but, but the way that you frame it is that, or that you did frame it was that you'd locked yourself in, but that's not the story that you've told. The story is that you're not locked in. The story is that you are constantly willing to be brave enough to, to try new things and to try and make it better. And even now with this, with the most recent thing you just shared, I mean, that's a, that's not an easy decision. And you're right. That is, that is painful. And that is, it is sad um, for a family to not be able to be close, but you have the, the audacity and the bravery to, to step outside what seems like it is maybe comfortable to try and find a better life. Um, and I just, I think that's a really, really powerful story for people to hear because, and, and then now culminating in you being brave enough and, and you're using a pseudonym, but that doesn't diminish the bravery of it at all. You're being brave enough to write a book, 
sharing the most intimate and vulnerable details of your life and then are going around on podcasts and, and meeting <laughs> strangers and sharing all of this with the world. Um, yeah. So I, again, I, I don't say that to try and be patronizing or, or, or flattering or anything, but I, again, I think your, your story is incredibly inspiring and, um, and your vulnerability is, 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 is brave um, at its core. And, and that, that's so valuable because it's, it's so easy to, to give in to fear. Like you talked about earlier, like fear can lead to anger. Right. And if I, I think back in my life, you know, I get frustrated, right. Everyone gets frustrated. And I think that we sometimes will confuse that for anger. Right. And it's like, no, <laughs> right. very different. Sure. Um, real anger, which I've only, again, fortunately experienced a handful of times in my adult life. It's dark. It's mm -hmm. not, not like frustration it's dark and it's it's powerful and it's insidious um and so being able to recognize that for what it is and and seeking out these different treatments i think it's awesome um and and, and i want to i want to i know we, we we're getting short on time but i do want to talk quickly at least about the the book i mean you know you, you said earlier yeah. at the beginning that you were um you, you're in a place where you had some time and, and you were kind of looking at maybe making a change in, in, and how you could earn for yourself. And so you thought, well, I've had this book floating around. And so then you, you went and, and started working, working with the folks at self publishing school, which may or may not be familiar to listeners of, of this show, but Dylan Barr, at least used to, I don't know if he still does or not. I haven't talked to him in a few months, but works for the self publishing school. Yeah, uh, he does. He does. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's great. And, I, the reason I know Dylan is because I heard Chandler, isn't that his name? Yeah, Chandler Bolt. Yeah, I heard Chandler give a presentation. And honestly, I went to the presentation because they were offering a free lunch. Right. I didn't care at all about <laughs> what Chandler was going to talk about. And right. he was such an inspiring guy that I went and signed up and ended up having a meeting with Dylan to talk about what this, this program offers. So uh, again, I, I know we're short on time. I don't mean to keep you, but maybe do you want to talk a little bit about what that experience was like? Yeah. Bottom line is, is that um, it was it was Chandler. Chandler was the reason why I contacted them to help me write my book mm -hmm. and self-publish it. Uh, and, I, and, and I just want to mention, you know, back to the word hope again. And, and that's really, you know, I'm, I want I want for this to be a hope shot, this show to be a hope shot for anybody that needs one. Yep. Um, Chandler was like a ray of hope for me. Um, he, you know, he, he was like the light that was out there saying, you know, come on, come on. It's okay. Come on. It's, it's, it's safe here. You know, you can do this and we're going to help you and we're going to walk you through. Okay. And it was wonderful. And I've taken three courses with them. Now I took the initial, you know, write your book in however many days. And then I went into the sell more books course. Um, after I, after I launched it now, it's like, now how do I sell more books? And, um, and then now I'm into, uh, it's called PRNS, which is, and I just started this in May. Um, it, it's like public relations and sales, you know, publishing and, and I think it is PR and sales. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I am on this podcast. And I, I did, uh, lower the price of my book to 99 cents for all of your listeners, uh, from now until, uh, the 20th. Uh, it's uh, the ebook is generally like two ninety nine, so ninety nine cents is like sixty seven percent off, and then um, 
on the 20th to the 24th, it's just going to go up one more dollar. It'll be $1.99, so it'll still be discounted, 33%. Um, but yeah, I wanted to do that like sort of in celebration of my first couple of podcasts this past week and live shows. And um, and the other thing is, is if you go to my if you go to my website or you get my book, it's it. The, the information's in both places. The website is www.drlizlifelaunch.com. Um, you can click on my free resources, and I've got a PDF that you can get um, if you give me your email address, excuse me, for a free healing resources that is just really sort of like my daily regimen. You know, it may not work for you, but hopefully it does. And then I also have a list that's in the book as well so if you don't get the book, you can get the free healing resources anyway that has like all these books that I've read. And a lot of this stuff, like I told you, I, I got I got from books. If you can't afford to go to a counselor, get some books that these counselors have written and yeah. learn, you know, like I learned about all those negative ions and stuff from the ion effect. And uh, it also talks about what water therapy, by the way. So that's a whole nother thing is just going by waterfalls and being going in the shower. Why do you feel so good when you go in the shower? It's because of the water splashing, breaking the hydrogen off of the oxygen and the other hydrogen. And that creates these negative ions in the air that we breathe in and actually uplifts us. So all this stuff is chemistry, which actually is my profession. I'm a clinical chemist, so it all goes in there together. But um Anyway, that was, you know, my journey. It's just been wonderful. And they've been helping me get connected to people like you. Um, I did from the self-publishing school. It wasn't through Dylan, but it was through another student. She was the one that told me to go on to pot at Guest Connection. And, um, and that's how I found you guys. And that is also a great little, you know, place over there for anybody else that's looking for either a podcast or a podcast guest spot. Um, you know, they find each other there. So they put people together. So that was great. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah, I, I was so excited when I saw your 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 YouTube video um, where you were doing the, a brief interview, but you were sitting in front of the self-publishing school logo. And I was like, oh my God, we were more connected than we knew. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You had the clue before I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Dr. Liz, um, I really appreciate you coming by the, the show today and, and sharing your story and sharing your insight and um, I think you're right that that and, and you you corrected me and I appreciate that. That's why I love to have these conversations because I'm constantly wrong and, and eager to learn and, and eager to be wrong. Um, but you're right. I think hope is is maybe that one thing that that you can find um, that that will be powerful through all these things. And I think that your story is one of hope. So I, I really appreciate you coming to share that. Was there anything else that you wanted to say while we were still here? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think we covered it all. I I am just because of this podcast, really my preparation for this podcast, what I did was I made this list and I referred to it, you know, a little bit earlier on in the show of all of these traumas that I experienced. And then I made a list of all the different healing strategies because there are so many and I only went through a few of them in the book. And there, I realized that they're not all on my healing resources. So I have this list now of 52, I think it's 52 healing resource healing strategies that I've used and some of them are completely free and a lot of them all you got to do is go on and find out about it and I'm just giving you the name and I've actually done everything that's on that list at different times in my life and I'm going to put these onto my healing resources page so it you know if you 
try to give me a minute, you know, I'll try to put those on there in the next 24 hours. And then when you click on it, you should be able to get the most updated one. But, but just stay in touch with me because I'm going to keep on, you know, progressing and, you know, like I said, publishing more books and stuff, but I want to make sure that I get this whole complete list. I'm really trying to make a comprehensive list of everything that I've done that's helped me. Yeah. And so I need to add those to the list. So I just awesome. want to mention that. Yeah, because I didn't get a chance to whip them all off for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sounds good. Well, we'll definitely have links in the show notes uh, for the listeners to click on. Uh, okay. again, Dr. Liz, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've carried fear since my youth. I can't face.
Jotted gain on the mountainside Show the deep and the baggage in tow On the wheels of stay in the shrine Burning planks of a bridge giving way Tear the fabric of time Gravity squeeze released in a way Sail breach the other side folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much again to dr liz for joining the show and again folks please check out the show notes where we've got links to dr liz's book as well as the free resources that she talked about on her website i also want to thank misha zarens for providing the music and of course listener for listening to the show i also encourage you to check out my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by me and brett lindley Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games, but instead of just news, reviews, and current events, we really try and talk about why gaming matters. So if you enjoy the long-form discussions that you find here on The Walk Show, I think you'd really enjoy Pick Up Your Sticks as well. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks anywhere podcasts are found. Again, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great week. Stay up.